Uh, my name is Ben. Uh, usually I'm after playing the guitar, uh, but sometimes I get to preach, and so it's an honor to do that, and uh, it should be fun. It should be fun. It should be fun. It, and if it was up to me, though, we'd probably be moving and gathering in the bounce house. That fits better with my intellect. Um, but we're not going to do that because we won't fit, and insurance reasons. Welcome to Highlands Church. We're so happy you guys are here, especially today, because whether you know it or not, today is the day we call our fall kickoff. Uh, We call it the kickoff because we're starting and kicking off life groups today, and I thought it would be appropriate to talk about the importance of these uh, small communities within our church. Uh, As you saw coming in today, there are a bunch of booths out there. Those are all small groups, life communities, things to get plugged into. And I hope by the end of my time today, you'll uh, have a few reasons to maybe give one of those communities a shot. Um, Here at Highlands, we are as excited about these life groups as we are about a Sunday morning gathering. Because uh, Sunday morning gatherings, like here, right now, go hand in hand with these life community groups. They feed each other. Now, I love Sunday mornings, but... uh, Things can go a lot deeper than that, and uh, there are things that I love about Sunday mornings, but those are also sometimes the things that make Sunday mornings somewhat limited as far as what we can accomplish. Uh, What I love about Sunday morning is that we are all gathered together. Isn't that fun? Isn't that great? It's encouraging. I love it. But because we're all gathered together, there are some things we can't do. Imagine if we were going to go through each row and take down every single, you know, prayer request. It's not going to happen. We'd be here for a long time. We'd have to order lunch. We'd have to order dinner. (laughs) We would be here a long time. So as much as Sundays are amazing, there are certain things as far as Christian community goes that we just can't accomplish just with Sunday morning. Now, both things are needed. Small group, life communities, and Sundays. Both are essential. And I think if we're all honest, maybe some of us, depending on how we're wired, would maybe pick one and not do the other. You know, maybe there are some of us that might just pick the small groups that meet during the week and just sleep in on Sunday morning. Okay, but they both go together. And the trouble is a growing church and a growing Christian doesn't really get an either or choice. Okay, um, this is a great quote by Rick Warren, and he says, he's got kind of a big church. He says, a church must grow, a church must grow larger and smaller at the same time, larger through worship and smaller through small groups. Sundays are great. Sundays are important. But if we don't find a way and other ways to get small as Highlands Church continues to get big on Sunday mornings, Eventually, a time will come, I know you won't believe me, but there may be a time in this church where the awesomeness of Sunday morning maybe wears off a little bit. We're a church plant, okay? Now, we're going to do everything we possibly can to keep the excitement and the freshness of Highlands Church going. But it happens. You can kind of get settled in. And so the life communities, the groups that meet throughout the week, truly become the lifeblood of the church. And Sunday morning is the tip of that iceberg. Look at it this way. Uh, Sunday morning, we celebrate together what God has been doing all week long in the whole church. 
small groups. We fellowship to get through what God has called us to day to day. Now, my main text this morning is going to be from Hebrews 10. And if you don't know much about Hebrews, it's a book that spends significant time making the case for Christ as the high priest. This is a book to Jews who now are Christians and are having trouble figuring out, what do I do? I stick to the law? Do I go to my priest? Do I go to my priest and go to Jesus? Do I go to Jesus and not my priest? This book is trying to straighten that out for them. And so it lays a great foundation having Christ as the mediator for our sins. Christ is the one and only high priest. Then the author goes into a section of Hebrews that talks about not only is Christ our foundation, but you can also count on this. Times are going to get tough pretty soon. In fact, they were, t- they were so tough that in those times, people actually thought, you know, Jesus has left, but he's probably coming right back because it was that bad. And that was a little, little while ago. Um, hard times were coming. And it's really interesting to take a look in Hebrews 10 and see what the writer's solution was to these hard times. I say the writer because most people think it's Paul. Some, if, if I say it's Paul, I'll have a short line of people saying, well, maybe it's not Paul because, it, okay, the writer. It's probably Paul that wrote Hebrews, but there's a few disagreements on that. So we'll just leave that alone. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. This is so cool what happens next. Actually, they talk about establishing Christ and tough times to come. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. They thought Jesus just went down the street and said, oh, never mind, did a U-turn. They thought he was coming right back. That's how things were getting. And it's so cool how this starts out because it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It says, get creative. In other words, I want you to think of ways of meeting together as the church that will help encourage each other, that will keep you on mission, that will help you to learn to love each other and to keep doing good. I love that in Hebrews, it's not completely spelled out what exactly that looks like. Let us think of ways. It's open. Figure it out, he says. So uh, what we've tried to do at Highlands now is try to think of some ways that would provide a, a scenario where those things will happen for you as you get plugged into a small group. We want you to find creative ways to challenge each other and encourage each other. And so what we've done is create groups called neighborhood life groups. We've uh, got Prayer Shawl, Mariners, Financial Peace University, Young Adults, Grief Share, Women's Ministry. Lots to choose from. And I'm focusing mostly on the neighborhood life groups because everybody fits into those groups. No matter how much you guys want to go to the women's ministry for the potluck, you can't go. So... Um, I'm not trying to pick on the others by not, you know, but, you know, Grief Share, all, all these other groups, they, they meet and they operate on the same principles that a neighborhood life group does. So there's lots to choose from. And I'll say this, that the culture of small groups is not something that's been familiar and strong in this church 
the whole time the church has existed. It's something that in the last two or three years has really started to grow and really something we've seen as a huge need that we've started to appreciate. So that said, I understand that some people in the room, maybe from being here the last couple of years and getting into a small group or previous church experience, you have an idea of what I'm talking about when I say a life community or a neighborhood life group or a small group or a Bible study. But there are a whole bunch of you that also may say, I don't know what he's talking about. And so what I did was I did some research work for you and I went to the great wealth of knowledge that is Facebook. And I asked them, and I asked them what they thought. And I was really, it changed the direction of my message because I had Christians and non-Christians responding about what is a small group. Um, the question I posed was, what is a small group and what is its purpose? Here are some of the answers. Doing life together. Another one said, one or more coming together to love, support, and help each other draw closer to God and his word, dot, dot, dot. Is that considered a run-on sentence? LOL. Um, <laughs> someone else said, fellowship within the body, which leads to accountability and biblical application. That was good, Andy. <laughs> Even Michael Hinton got involved. A community of people living out God's calling for growth and community. The next two people just wrote the word community. And then a good, dear friend of, of my family, uh, Debbie, back from Minnesota, she says, where community becomes family. Wait, are they letting you preach? <laughs> Um, she says you can preface that with the smartest strongest Dorothy destroying most humble Canadian I ever knew or whatever now if your name is Dorothy do not be confused Dorothy is the name of which our small group gave her cancer so it became the mission of our small group to kill Dorothy if your name is Dorothy this morning don't freak out I'm not talking about you. We just had to give it a name. Dorothy seemed... We didn't know anybody named Dorothy. So we named... <laughs> Talk about getting real in a small group. Our group uh, actually started out with a, some tough stuff. When, when uh, Natasha and I started going to our small group in Minnesota, um, the leader of the group, he, he got cancer. And uh, he battled that for a couple of years and they passed. So we continued to meet at their house uh, with his wife who became like my Minnesota mom. And it's funny how God prepared us because we kept meeting over the next few years. And then sure enough, five or six years later, now now Debbie, who was in our, our group, a single mother with two boys, diagnosed with cancer. God had been preparing us for that. We've been having fellowship. We'd gone through it. It was just a perfect place for her to be. She's still doing uh, well. She's, uh, she's a very spunky, witty Canadian. And I fear for Dorothy's life. Um, Amen. <laughs> uh, pray for her if you, if you think of it. But praise God that Debbie was in a group when she got that news. Because we were the first person she came to. We, we talked and we've been doing life with her over the last uh, couple of years as she's gone through this. Uh, another person actually who was in that group too said, small groups allow you to feel a sense of belonging in something that is far bigger than you can imagine because everyone brings a different insight to what the main goal is, and it makes it very personal yet very real. Good stuff. I would say if I was going to whittle it down to a simple definition of what a small group is, I would say it's a place where Christians adopt each other as family and grow together in Christ. If we look into our world, 
we'll find out real quick that small groups are everywhere. It's not just something that the church does. It's something that we all actually know intrinsically that we need and want. What was last weekend? What holiday was that? Labor Day, right? Okay, I have a question for you. Did any of you get together for the purpose of celebrating the American labor movement and subsequent parade put on by the Central Labor Union in 1887 in New York York City and New Jersey? Did you? Did anybody get together to celebrate that? No. You didn't. What you did was you said, hey, it's Labor Day. We got Monday off. Who should we get together with? We know that. Nobody thinks about those things. Maybe some people do. I had a job in public radio for a little bit, and people think about those things. Not very many, though, okay? Um, What I'm getting to is that life groups, the idea of small communities and small groups, is actually not a churchy, unnatural thing. It's a human thing. It's something we naturally do. So here's my point. Oh, and by the way, this is another, this will bolster my argument like you'll never believe Okay, some of you, God might have brought you here this morning so that you could learn that Cinco de Mayo is not actually National Half-Price Margarita Day. (laughs) We celebrate Cinco de Mayo in America. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that, but it just proves my point that uh, it's a holiday. I don't know what it is, but let's celebrate and, and, and have people over. It's just what we do. And here's my point. If we are making arrangements to get together and celebrate these holidays, which we know nothing about, how much more should we be gathering on purpose to celebrate what God's doing in our lives every day? Oh, maybe I'll just quit. Maybe I'll just be done there. I uh, Before you go signing up to a group, um, I want to give you some practical advice for how to have a great group. And if you are in a group already, I hope these will be helpful things um, in helping you to go to a group and have a good and healthy group. And uh, so I want to lay down a couple of uh, humorous, uh, yet extremely important ground rules for these groups. Okay, the number one rule for me in a small group is... No Jesus juking. Does anybody know what that is? Nobody? Awesome. I got this from a website. It's called Stuff, it's a blog. It's called Stuff Christians Like. It makes fun of our culture a little bit. Not terribly. We've earned most of the critiques. It's funny. Um, But the Jesus juke is when someone takes what is clearly a joke-filled conversation and then completely reverses the direction into something very serious and holy. Okay? That's like when you're saying, I'm just having a terrible day, and somebody says, well, maybe you should bring it to the Lord. Oh, I know that. I, I, you know, it's when you say something real, and, and then someone gives you the Christianese answer, and you kind of go, I know, I'm just looking for someone to relate to me and, and, and walk through this with me. I, don't need, I know the Bible verse, you know, the Sunday school answer. I know that. That's not what small groups are for. And in fact, when we were driving from Minnesota to here, California, um, in May, I had this amazing epiphany. So, like most people, I submitted my thoughts in the form of a post to the wonderful God-filled benevolent society that is Facebook. I don't know why I did that. That was my first mistake. But here's the post that I put up. It said, driving through the Dakotas, I had an amazing thought. At this moment, I do not have a boss. This is a weird feeling. What shall I do? What happened next? 
What happened next was, yeah, 28 comments. What happened next was what I would call an absolute open season of Jesus juking. <laughs> Let's take a look at some of the responses. The first slide says, uh, you always have a boss. They calm the man upstairs. I know that. I know that, right? That's a Jesus juke. Then, oh, his name is Adonai. Okay, I know, I know. It's not what I'm saying. Next slide. Uh, your boss is and always has been the Lord Jesus. Yeah, I know. Okay, next slide. Um, my, this guy knew what was going on, so now he's playing me. He says, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. Thank you. Um, drop, drops Mike. And then my old pastor, Jeff, says, dude, you are seriously getting Jesus juked. Um, that's exactly what happened. Um, then it went crazy. Look at what my wife said. My wife got involved. I'm the boss. So you just read down, you know, God is always your boss as he is mine. Like, I know that's what I wrote below. That's not what I meant. LOL, you guys are killing me. And then Natasha's like, well, I'll ramp this back up again. I'm the boss. Ah. And then the next comment, that's the truth, and Ben never should forget that. I don't know which one she's referring to, to Natasha or the rest of the, the juking going on. Uh, but, you know, I hope you're all proud of yourselves. Now look what you've done. Um, it just got crazy. I thought it was done, and then this happens. Uh, an elder from my last church writes, try Natasha. So he just brings up the whole thing again, like maybe Natasha can be your boss. <laughs> Whatever. Now that is a Jesus juke. Are you getting the idea of what I'm talking about now? If you join a group... Or if you're in a group, don't do that to people, okay? Because there is a place in the small community for the right answer. There's a time and a place for the right answer with love and with grace, okay? But for the most part, people attend a small community because they want people to do life with. They want to be in community with people that are going to be receptive and understanding to what they're going through. And it sometimes makes us feel a lot better just to jump in and fix it. You know, basically somebody says something awkward and we go, Sunday school answer, check, I'm out of here. Because we don't want to deal with that uncomfortable pause of when somebody says something delicate or vulnerable or tough and we don't have, you don't have to have the right answer. And so the answer to that, the opposite of Jesus juking is being like Jesus himself actually and just sometimes hearing a vulnerable thought and saying, Man, I, I, yeah, I relate to that. I feel you. I, let's, let's take a walk. Let's talk. Let's, or, um, or you cry with them, or you laugh with them, or you weep with them. That's usually what Jesus did. People want to be identified with, and there's an old quote that is so good and helpful in understanding when is the time to say something and when is not, and that is just simply this. People, um, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. So it's not a place, a small community, whether it's Grief Share or the women's group or the neighborhood life groups, it's not a place to run around Jesus juking and just kind of patching things up so we can get moving on and eat the cheesecake. Okay? It, it, this, these are intentional times for us to really do life together and walk together and sometimes cry and laugh and weep together. It's not so much the place that we fix each other. Don't Jesus juke. The second point is don't be... A me monster, okay? Now, some of you have given up completely on small groups because of this person. 
When I was thinking of this, it, this came to mind because of my favorite comedian, Brian Regan, and he has this amazing social fantasy regarding what he calls an interaction with a me monster at a party. And so if you can relate, I want you to watch this short clip and just you'll get a glimpse at what I'm talking about. I'm actually kind of quiet off stage. A lot of people don't realize that. I was at a dinner party recently. A bunch of people that I don't know. One guy talking plenty for everybody. Me, myself, right? And then I, and then myself, right? Me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I because I was talking about myself. And then me, 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 me. Beware the me monster. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. (laughs) Didn't mean to waste everybody's time. (laughs) Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. My story ain't nothing. I'm trying to tell my story. You know, I had some wisdom teeth pulled. I had, um, I had two, but I had four pulled. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it, and I see it all the time. Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, as soon as... Okay, yeah, you, me! You, me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition people get something out of that? That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can beat anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Oh, really? <laughs> let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business all. I got my own global enterprise. I got to track. You know, driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. You know, I got a Swiss account that I want to track. Mount Kilimanjaro expedition. I might have to cancel that. You know, runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. The, you know, you know, the Pacific Rim Company is going to try to take that over. Global enterprise. I walked on the moon. Uh, if you enjoy that, you're, uh, you might be blessed tonight because he's actually going to be at the Vino Robles Theater, uh, which is, should be a lot of fun. Um, and he's pretty clean. He's my favorite comedian, but he, he's pretty clean, so I'd, I'd take my kids. You know? um, have you ever been in a group with a me monster? Maybe not to that extent, but have you? It just ruins the flow. It just ruins the chemistry. And I know that some of you have had that experience. And so now you're looking at these booths and you're saying, oh, I don't want to sign up for that. There's always that one guy or one girl. Okay. Here's another question. If you're thinking, I've never experienced uh, a me monster in my group. Maybe it's you. Okay. 
And here's, here's a quick test to find out if you are in fact a me monster, okay? If when people are talking, instead of listening to them, you are just waiting for them to be quiet so you can talk, you might be a me monster, okay? It's important to provide room for others in the group to have a thought. (laughs) Don't be a me monster. Small groups are only going to work if we approach them with an attitude like we see in Philippians chapter 2. And it says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. That's so hard to do. But when we all do that in a group, there's so much room and we all get blessed. Trust me, if you've got something to say, you'll have your turn. You'll have your turn. It'll come back around to you. Go to a group, not just for your own needs, but also think about the needs of the group, which brings me to my last point. We tend to look at these groups in a what's in it for me kind of way. And if you're teetering on the idea of trying out a group, I'm going to provide maybe an opposite perspective that might change your mind. What if God instead concerning small groups is saying this? What if he's saying it's not you who is missing out on the people or the groups, it's the people who are missing out on you? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe God made you And everything you are, not so that you would just sit alone and enjoy your own awesomeness, but rather for the joy of him and for the joy of others. He made you to bring joy to himself and to bring joy to other people. And you know what the most awesome part of that is? It's that that is the greatest joy. You will never be happier than when you find out who God made you to be and you start to see how that brings joy to other people. There's a big difference between that and a me monster. Humbly seeing yourself as God has made you and then seeing it bless other people is the most satisfying, life-giving, joy-giving thing you will ever experience. And God knows that. When my daughter Mia was uh, about two, you know, we were trying to introduce new foods to her. And I understand why when I put, you know, broccoli or something like that in front of her, she just went, no. I understand. No, I make her sound like a brat. She wasn't a brat. She's like, no, daddy. She's really sweet. No. Somewhere in between those two. <laughs> now, what really frustrated me was when I tried for the first time to give her some ice cream. And you know what she said? No. Because it was new. She didn't want to try something new. And I was so frustrated. And, and to this day, I still use that example for her when she's afraid to try something new. I said, you know what, Mia? And she's almost eight now. And I said, you know what, Mia? There was a time when I put a bowl of ice cream in front of you and you said no. Imagine the last five years of your life if you had never tried ice cream. You almost ruined your life. <laughs> And sometimes I feel like maybe God is, is with things like this, where he doesn't suggest in the Bible, but he says, do life together, find ways. He commands it because he knows it's for our good. But I wonder sometimes if God is looking at you know, us this morning saying, you know, get involved in each other's lives. Find a small group as if he's putting a bowl of ice cream in front of you and he's going, 
Come on, eat it, eat it. It's good. And we, out of instinct and out of just maybe a bad experience of broccoli or whatever it was, or a me monster, we just go, no, and just deprive ourselves of such joy. Is God telling you to do something this morning that you might actually love? That's my question for you with these small groups. And lastly, I'll just challenge um, those of you who have been listening to me more analytically and factually. You would be called introverts. And you might be thinking, I don't have that much of a need to be so plugged in and, and to so many people. I understand that. In fact, my wife is an introvert. And she and I, over the last 11 years, have found out that it's not that we don't both love people. It's the quantity of people. Now, if I might sign up for Bob Lamone's group with 300 people in it, okay? That, I might do that. She might, she probably would sign us up for a group with two or three couples, okay? And so I, I, I want to just challenge you that it, to understand that you also long for that social connection. It's just not with as many people, and that is okay. And so that is why we played a short video to kind of show the characteristics of the group. Uh, maybe uh, you looked at some of them and the ones that maybe just looked a little bit, little bit more low-key, you thought, maybe I could fit in there. And that's okay. Don't feel bad about that. To the extroverts in the room, I probably don't need to say much because you already signed up yourself and your introverted spouse for like four groups on the way in. <laughs> you can fight about that on the way home. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, lastly, let me just leave you with this encouragement. It's from 1 Thessalonians 5.11, and it says... Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Keep going to your life group. If you're doing this right now, I want to encourage you and say, keep it up. And the next step is simply to just keep inviting others to your group and show them the ropes. Now the booths are, are set up outside. We encourage you to stop by and really just talk to the leaders and try to find one that feels like you fit. Don't be afraid to be picky, but I challenge you to, to take a step and give something a shot and just see if God is putting a bowl of ice cream. If you're lactose intolerant, I know this won't work. <laughs> Actually, it still works. You still want ice cream. You just can't, right? Yeah. So, so maybe God is putting a big bowl of frozen yogurt in front of you and he's saying, you can't have that either? What is going on? going to ditch that uh, that analogy. Chocolate? There's got to be someone that can't eat chocolate. I'm not even going to start. It's, it, uh, and it, that's okay. But the booths, they're set up. They're waiting for you. Go out there and see if God isn't putting a big bowl of ice cream in front of your face and saying, come on, try it. You might love it. Okay? That's our prayer for you. We've tried to make this easy and accessible. But the next step is in your lap to take. So we, I want to pray for you right now. I want to challenge you to, to give that a shot. Uh, you, you know, when the service ends, you go out there and feel free to linger. You don't have to leave just because the next service is starting. They're going to overlap and just be out there and uh, have fun, okay? Cool. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of community. We thank you, God, that um, 
you've given that for uh, your glory and for our joy. And God, we just acknowledge that sometimes we need a little help to see it that way. So help us to take those steps of faith. God, if we're in a group already, help us to um, continue on that path uh, as we just see uh, your truth come into our lives as we build relationships with each other the way that uh, you intend for us to do. Uh, God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.